0: Hello, good morning and welcome. My name is Graham and I'm delighted to be with you all today as we start these journeys into asking what it is to be really free. Free from constraints and conformity, free from constant testing and peer pressure and free from unsafe and uninspiring school environments. Free to let children explore the world around them through play, cooperation and inspiration free to let children learn naturally, following their innate curiosity and endless creativity.
1: We come to see that learning isn't about doing well at school, it's about engaging
0: with life. I'll be here okay. for you, and I will serve you, and I will carry your message over.
1: Today, I'm very excited to be here once again, and we have a very special guest, a lady who has definitely uh, lived an adventurous life full of creativity and joy, and uh, we're going to be talking to her today. This is Martina Tyrrell, and she's lived aboard her boat, Karina, of Devon, with her husband and two daughters, and in 2011, they decided to quit their jobs, sell their house in Cambridgeshire, England, and buy a boat. Sounds quite fantastic, and they found Karina later that year and moved abroad. In spring 2012, and since then they've cruised England, Ireland, France, Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. Today we're speaking to Martina from Southern Spain, where they've been now for a little while. And uh, Martina is originally from Ireland. Uh, since uh, 95, she's lived in Japan, the Canadian Arctic, Scotland, and England. And she's a so- social anthropologist and human geographer with an interest in Inuit knowledge of the sea and the relationships between humans and marine mammals and now a freelance writer so we're going to get on to all that but first of all thank you so much for joining us today martina how are you
2: thank you very much graham i'm i'm very good thank you I and mean, it, it makes me sound like i've had a very adventurous life i like the sound of that <laughs> it does
1: it does and you're you're joining us from the <laughs> southern spain with a beer in your hand it sounds quite idyllic to me and uh, yeah we just like That's to start right. my, and... my
2: husband has just presented me with a with a with a glass of beer
1: Well, salut. Uh, Yeah, excellent. And um, yeah, so we just like to start these um, conversations, just uh, if you could take us back to your own school days, um, how you feel now Mm. looking back about your own uh, education, was there positive or negatives and what you find maybe that you use today that you learned back then?
2: Yeah, I had a I had a wonderful time at school. I was a very good student, and I was very I, I enjoyed studying, and I and certain things there were some things I didn't enjoy. Um, and I never had any problems at school, and I I you know I thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience, and I'd lots of friends, and I did well in school, and and carried on to to university, and and got a, a BA and an M A and a PhD So my my schooling experience, I think, was. Was generally very positive, um, and I suppose in hindsight, um, the things that I was interested in. I, I suppose I really came into my own uh, as a, as a student when I went to university, and I suddenly realised that I, I I suddenly had the opportunity when I went to university to study the things that I was really passionate about, um, and uh, and the things that I that I had slogged through that I didn't like at the time, such as physics and learning the Irish language I didn't enjoy doing those and I didn't put any effort into them and and as a result didn't do particularly well in those subjects at school Um, Mm -hmm. but I think when I suddenly realized you know I could then spend all of this time that I wanted studying the things that I was really passionate about at university or discovering what my passions were when I went to university Um, and I suppose as a result of that and as I have thought more about education and reflected more on my own education over the years is probably that I spent not as much time as I would have liked doing the things that I loved when I was in primary and secondary school and more time doing the things that I that I didn't quite enjoy doing and and perhaps if I had approached them from a different angle or or if they had been presented to me differently I might have had a greater interest in them and to give you sort of some uh, one thing that made me think about that is as when in in 2004 i met my now husband and he's a physicist and a mathematician and physics and math were my absolute worst subjects at school but i met someone who opened up a whole different way of approaching physics and mathematics mm-hmm. and i think i have learned so much more about physics and maths just from having conversations with my husband and from him sort of presenting me with different ways. I mean, being m- m- my ability to ask him questions that I probably couldn't ask my teachers at school. And he's made it m- those subjects much more interesting to me and much more accessible to me um, than they ever were at school. Right, just um, a different way of looking and at the subjects. Yeah, a way of looking at it. Putting, I guess the context, putting things into context and making me understand... Why you know something as simple as you know why why do I need to learn this what, what what is the value of this? you know I know that I know that two times two is four, but he actually teaches me why is it why is it that? why is that the case mm-hmm. um, and learning things like that and stripping everything back and not saying just do this," but actually explain to me, why am I doing this why why is this an important thing to do or why why is it necessary? to know how to do this. I think that's been been really valuable to me.
1: Right. So bringing mm. learning into real life. Yeah, I've definitely found that with yes. history. It was yes. history was so dry in school, but now I've I'm listening to podcasts Ooh. and reading about you know these these are real people back then, what made them tick. It's just uh, yeah, it can be really brought alive and and there seems to be a lot more focus well, on it, that now.
2: It's it's very interesting that you mention history because I gave up history at school as as early as possible so i i it was compulsory in my school up until 15 up until the irish intercert as the exam the state exam was called back then and i studied history up until then and then i dropped it i didn't want to do it any any beyond that and then when i went to university i thought oh i'll give it a try and i went to a couple of history lessons and i dropped that i dropped them as well and and the reason i i wasn't i wasn't uninterested uninter- in history i just wasn't interested in Sitting in a classroom to learn history sure. because I knew I could learn history myself, I knew how even at fifteen sixteen I knew I had the skills because I was a reader, um, I had the skills to read history to read historiography i uh, you know to, to sort of to, to be critical of how history was done, and i didn 't find any value in in learning stuff from a history from school history books because I knew I could do it myself. you know i could do it myself and i could follow the the areas of history that were of interest to me um and so it's interesting that you should you should mention history like that because that was my experience
1: yeah definitely definitely i can only remember studying mm. such a limited uh, you know vision of the world but uh yeah it's it's true when you travel Mm. i think it opens up and you meet people and you understand oh the 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 spanish people think differently or you know the portuguese definitely have a different way to the Spanish and uh yeah it's fascinating yeah yes. so just going yes. back to your your yes. decision to leave um was it any uh, mm. were there any um shortcomings you found within the education of your children or was it more of a an adventurous impulse to leave England
2: no we 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 had decided to leave England when our children were very little so when we made the decision our oldest daughter had just turned two and the younger one was eight months old so we weren't there was no, you know, thought of schooling at all. Well, yes, we were thinking about schooling, but they weren't in any system at that stage. And we, my husband and I, from almost from the moment we met, we talked about someday buying a boat and setting sail. But we never imagined that it would be when the children, when our children were young. We always thought, well, if we have children, it'll be when you know, be when we've retired, when our children have flown the nest, and things like that. Um, and then we had children and all of the things we enjoyed doing before we had children, we couldn't do anymore because we, we didn't have the money and we didn't have the time. Um, and so the things we, we enjoyed doing were sailing and diving. And uh, we thought, well, we're never going to, we can sort of carry on on this life of this sort of conventional life of owning a house and having this very sort of conventional way of living. And we're never going to do the things that we, we are passionate about. Um, or we can just do them. And so that was what we, it was just in the end, it was sort of a spur of the moment decision where one one Friday morning, good Friday of 2011, we just said, let's just do it. Let's just quit quit it all and, and buy a boat. Wow, and we did. Fantastic. And I suppose the, the one thing that never really, that we never thought about was, we, that was never a, a serious consideration for us was our children's education because I had always, imagined that when I had children that they would be home educated and so it was never like oh what do we do with kids education we didn't even think about that I said, well we can educate them as easily on a boat as we can living in a house or live, you know it doesn't no matter where we're living we can home educate our children so so, so that was never a consideration right, um, right. our considerations were how are we going to fund this how are we you know <laughs> is it possible is it possible for four people to live on a boat is it possible to do to do these things but the 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 education of the children was never something that we, we we were concerned about because we knew that was what we wanted to do, or we thought that was what we wanted to do at the time
1: right and did mm. you um i mean I'm sure people listening might sound that sounds fantastic if you Did you have much support from mm. your friends and family or were they uh, were many people kind of skeptical of you just uh, taking your two young kids off like that
2: um our, most of our friends were very, very supportive. But I think given the, the lifestyles that we, you know, I'm, I'm an anthropologist. My husband was a geophysicist. And at the time, we, he was doing research in Antarctica. I was doing research in the Canadian Arctic. Um, and so all of our friends were, were, our, were colleagues at work and friends we knew sort of through our, through, through our education and everything. So our friends were people who were very similar to us in many ways and were quite adventurous and lived. you know sort of they were quite used to traveling and roughing it quite a lot so our friends just thought yeah of course why not why wouldn't you do that um our parents were uh very very worried and it took a lot of persuading our parents to to you know for them to see that we weren't doing something crazy but I mean they were concerned mainly about um safety you know and and going off in a in a small boat and would we you know, would we? if <laughs> They didn't want us to kill their grandchildren by taking <laughs> them away in in a boat, and you know, um, and again at that stage, nobody ever really, you know, no one was, no one was really talking about their education at that stage because they were still quite young, right? Um, right. And I think perhaps, I think perhaps the, our parents probably thought, well, by the time it's time for them to go to school, they will have come back to England by then. You know, right, right. Yeah, um, that's kind of
1: my next yeah. thought. Did you, did you, did you have a plan when you left, or was there a, was it just an open, open adventure, or was, was there any thoughts of returning at some point?
2: No, we, we, our plan really was that we would go away for as long as we were all enjoying it, and it, and so long as it was working for all of us. And our plan really was that we, what we, what we hoped to do was to. Um, was to sail across the Atlantic, sail through the Panama Canal, go out into the, into the Pacific and sail in the, uh, you know, sail the islands of the Pacific. And um, we, that, that was what we planned to do. And we never got past Spain.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, far, so far, so far we haven't got past Spain yeah. because we're in, we, 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 we happen to arrive someplace that we have really fallen in love with. Um, and we got here and we, and we thought, oh, you know, this is quite nice. We might stay here for a month or two months. or And it's now been two and a half years right. <laughs> and we're still here.
1: Right. So did your kids now, I understand they, they are at school. But to start with, were, you, were yeah. you homeschooling them on the boat? Was it something that you kind of yeah. uh, just came about naturally?
2: Yes. Yeah, it was. So we we started out homeschooling them on the boat and we never intended to to send them to school at all. But we were homeschooling them and living on the boat was such a a wonderful opportunity because, you know, when you live on a boat, you you, well, first of all, you know, they're learning about living on a boat. They're learning about all the the activities that that are involved in living on a boat and they're learning how to sail and they're learning how to tie ropes and they're learning all of those things. But we're surrounded by, you know, by by nature, and so we're, you know, we had we'd have dolphins swimming around us, and we'd be observing the, the behavior of dolphins. We have are sailing through different types of weather systems. We're traveling to all different places and learning, and, and you know the different the, the histories of the different towns we visit. We're sampling different foods. We're learning the different cultures. We're being exposed to a lot of different things, and what we tried to do. We we spent they were still quite little so we weren't spending huge amounts of time doing you know do, doing any formal sort of activities and the things that were important to me was that the girls could we could introduce them to reading and and to writing and to maths and but not you know certainly certainly didn't didn't push any of those things we sort of wanted them to sort of organically organically sort of get into doing those things. But those are kind of the only things that we sort of said, well, we'll set aside some time, a little time each day or each week to do those three things. And then everything else was just stuff that emerged through our travels. And quite often we were all learning new stuff together as a family. Um, and so, for example, to, to, to give an example that I often cite, I think it's a, it's a lovely example. We um, we went to Bayona, which is where, um, where the first news of, of, columbus's voyages that that he had just that he had found land on the other side of the atlantic the first news hit spain in there and then the first native american to land on european soil arrived. Uh, right, it was landed in bayona. and so there's a whole this whole history of 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 the columbus voyages you know it, it suffuses the whole town and that a lot of the tourism in bayona is about you know revolves around this this history and so we thought this was a fantastic opportunity because you had you had there's history there, there's geography, there's there's um sailing, there's uh meteorology, there's you know, you're looking at the entire history of the world for the past five hundred years. And and there was a lot that my husband and I didn't know either. And so all four of us sort of delved into it and we started to, you know, find ways to incorporate that into our into our schooling, um, of the girls and just, you know, just things like drawing and reading and telling stories and 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 explaining to the girls what we were finding out um and and things like that right so you're all living in and then well yeah and we're all we're all sort of learning together um but learning things that are that are sort of appropriate age appropriate i guess (laughs) for for all of us you know um that sounds fantastic yeah and then and then, other than that, other things you know because we're we're living on a boat, so sometimes we we're fishing or people give us fish or we're you know we're out, we spend a lot of time out of doors, even you know now that we're sort of more settled in in a in a village we we spend huge amounts of time out of doors and so we learn a lot from from what we do um outdoors and one of the things that we spend my husband in particular is really passionate about is foraging. And so my girls, like right from when they were toddlers, they could tell the difference between, you know, between edible some edible plants and some poisonous plants, and they knew, you know, they. I'm I'm, I'm actually quite, I, I I'm I'm pretty confident of their abilities when it comes to foraging now, um, and you know they're only seven and eight years old, but they know their stuff when it comes to foraging because they've spent so much time, particularly out with their dad, um, and 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 they. They, have, they learn, they learn about, about, uh, about the environment by being foragers, you know, wow. and so they're learning about the interactions between plants, about the other animals that are out there foraging as well and about, you know, all that sort of stuff. And they're learning it by doing it rather than by, you know, nature studies in school.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just living mm-hmm. and learning. Yes. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So I know yeah. you. You um. You did make that decision to send them to school. Is that something that you decided yeah. as a family? Did they express an interest to in going to school?
2: So our older daughter was always one. The the one thing about travelling was that she didn't often have opportunity to play with other children, um, and that was. You know you're always on the move and you you meet other families occasionally or you meet local families, but because you're on the move, you never make sort of strong long lasting relationships you make strong you can have strong relationships with people, but not often long lasting um and so she was she was quite keen when when we broached the subject with her she thought, oh yeah that yeah she she'd fancy doing that. Our younger daughter didn't particularly care one way or the other and and is much is 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 as happy in her own company or with the company of the family as she is with playing with other children. So it was less less of an issue for her. But the thing that decided us on, on on sending them to school was that we came to, we came up this river, the Rio Guadiana, that divides southern Spain and Portugal. And we came to this tiny little village of, it's about 230 people. And we thought, well, what a great opportunity for a, for the children to learn Spanish because we, we don't have the ability to teach them any language other than English. Um, So what a great opportunity for them to, to be, to learn a language by being immersed in it. And also what a great opportunity to, 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 to become immersed in, in another culture. And so by being in the school, because it's such a small village, I mean, the village really is just three families. Mm -hmm. Um, but it by, by being in the school. There's very because it, it's a very close knit village, and I think if if my children didn't go to school, they they would they would be excluded from the village, from village life. Right. Um. And so it's it's been an opportunity for them to sort of break into village life and to to become you know to become a part of village life for and and actually for the whole family. Right. And so what it's meant is that is that after you know after Two years, they've been in school now for two years um and they both speak fluent spanish now um they've you know they're everybody in the village knows them everybody welcomes them but it's also meant that the whole family uh you know we we have our place in the village now which i don't think we would have um if we didn't have the children if the children weren't part of the of of of, of the school system right and because see- it's such a tiny because
1: sorry Sorry. carry on
2: because it's because it's such a tiny village uh there are 29 children in the school and ranging in age from the youngest child is three and the oldest child is 13 you've got 29 children in that age age range uh over those 10 years and so my younger daughter is in a class of eight children which is a mixed class of of First class and second class, and my older daughter is in a class of seven children, which is a mixed class of third, fourth, and fifth class, and she's the only one in in third class. Um, and so they're 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 doing because it's such a small school. They're sort of having First of all, they're getting wonderfully close attention from their teachers, which they wouldn't get in a bigger school. And they're getting um you know because there are so few of them, everyone plays with everyone else. And age that sort of you know your're your your eight years old you play with the other eight year old that doesn't happen here everyone plays with everyone else and everyone hangs out with everyone else because you know there are there are so few of them um and so and and the teachers are it's it's a very it's a it's um there's a very f- familial sort of feeling about the school you know and we've been to other we, we we did spend six months in another part of Spain in a town in a big town. And it would never have crossed my mind to send them to school there. It's just the very particular um, characteristics of this school because it's so tiny and because it's, you know, in, in a little tiny village. Uh, and, and that's the only reason um, right. that we've, we decided to put them in school here. Yeah.
1: Do you see that uh, continuing? Were you, uh, do they have the possibility of uh, continuing all the way to um, kind of university level there?
2: Um, not in the village, they don't. So from the age of 13 the oldest kids in the school are 13 going up the year that they're 13 turning 14. And then they have to go to a, another village, a bigger village, a town to, to go to secondary school. I, I haven't thought that far ahead. Um, and I don't even know if we will still be here. I mean, You know, my girls are seven and eight, so I don't even know if we'll still be here when they're 13, 14 years of age um i don't i think one of one of the disadvantages of being here uh, i think and not not necessarily i think partly it's being in this school system as well one of the disadvantages is that it is so small and while, while being small is a lovely advantage it's also kind of a disadvantage because i think they're the it's it's the 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 sort of their world view is quite is quite small and narrow here. Um, now we still travel a lot, and we, you know, we, 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 we go to the UK and we go to Ireland and we we travel to different places in Spain and Portugal. But um, I think as they get older, I suspect they will probably want different opportunities as well. Right. Um, but my my philosophy and my philosophy that I try to, to to live by is that we we do what they want to do as much as possible. And if, you know, if they want to stay here and if, they, and if it suits all of us, and if they want to carry on in the education system here, then I think, they, you know, they know their own minds. And if they want to do it, that's, you know, they can do it.
1: Yeah, um, it sounds like such a, a, a strong foundation for, for, for the two girls. You know, they've got the second language and they've just seen another part yes. of the world, another way people think, another yes, way people yes. live. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hmm. I know we could go on for, for a long, a lot longer because of um, all of your studies, especially the Inuit knowledge and learning from dolphins. So perhaps we could do a part two at some point. that would be great. Um,
2: well, I'd love to do that. That would be lovely. Yeah. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. I just, just to end on on this uh, this short conversation we're having here, how would you um, approach uh, offering any advice to? Um, maybe families that are living similar lives to, to most families, you know, they're paying their bills and they're, yeah. they're, they're living in the house and maybe they want to be outside. Maybe they want to be more in contact yeah. with the world. They might have a young family. They might yeah. the, your, your vision your your experience sounds wonderful, or maybe they don't want to go that far of living on a boat, but just to see the world perhaps. What, what advice could you, could mm. you offer to, um, anyone looking for alternatives?
2: Um, Get if you want to do it, get out and do it. And and I suppose you have to compromise. You can't you can't have it every way. And we live a very very frugal life, you know. So we don't have a lot of money. We have we have we have you know very very little money, but we manage to do it on a very on very very few resources. And um, and we do it by you know not having. We don't have a TV and we don't have. Uh, mobile phone um, contracts. We don't have any, you know, these, these sorts of things that, that cost money and we don't go on holidays and, and you know, our holidays are, are going back to visit our parents once a year and things like that. Um, I think you just get out and you do it. If you want to, You find a, you find ways that are, there are cheap ways to do things um and inexpensive ways that you can that you can do things and I think the most important thing is that you just get out and do things with your kids get rid of the you know you don't want to get rid of it forever but put 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 the put the technology aside put on a pair of boots or a pair of you know sturdy walking shoes and and, and get out and go for a walk and actually you there is an awful lot in your own back garden um and in your own in your own neighborhood that you can you know there are wonderful things everywhere and I mean we've lived in we've lived in 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 Cambridge in in England we've lived in Devon we've lived we've spent quite a bit of time in Ireland with the children in in where I come from and just it's just a case of getting out and and getting out into the fresh air and and doing things and also looking for things that are Finding ways to do things that don't actually cost a whole lot of money. So, even though we're not religious in any way, I have found that churches are an amazing resource because quite often churches have have group activities for children. They've got cafes. They've got you meet wonderful people, um, museums and 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 art galleries. Certainly in certainly in Ireland and in the UK. Um, museums and art galleries are very often free, you know, free entry. Um, and, and indeed you can find many here in, in Spain and Portugal too that are free entry. So I think it's, it's just a matter of, of, doing a bit of research in advance and, and, um, and finding things that are inexpensive to do. Um, and, and accepting that you can't, you can't have everything. You know, we, if you saw us, you think, oh my goodness, look at them. They're, you know, when are they going to? When are they going to get some new clothes? Well, those aren't re- those aren't really things that you compromise on that because you want to have other things, you know. Right. Um. And we live in a, you know, our boat. We live in a very tiny boat. We've got a. Our boat is is thirty six feet long. As someone, someone said to me once when I said thirty six feet, he said, "My husband is six foot two. and he said, "That's less than your husband laid out end to end six times." <laughs> and I said, "Yes, yeah. that actually, yeah." Now that you put it that way, that's exactly it. And, um. And but but we've managed to, and I suppose that's why we're outside so much because our inside space is so tiny. <laughs> we need to get out; otherwise, we'd go mad. We'd be on top of each other all the time. Uh, um, um, uh, it's finding a thing that interests you and in finding a way to a way to make it work. And, and and you need a bit of forward planning. You can't just say, "Well, I'm just going to drop it all and just go." And we we decided when when we were going to do this that we needed we needed a plan to get us from living in a house in Cambridge with jobs to living on a boat and we 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 felt we 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 made a plan and and uh, luckily it all fell into place and um and I've always felt I've never had neither my husband or I I mean in my entire life adult life I have never had a problem finding a job and it's never it's not always been in my specialist field of anthropology but i've always found a job doing something you know so at the moment i teach english my husband's worked for the past year working as a barman you know he's he's probably the most overqualified barman in the world because he's a he's a geophysicist with a phd but <laughs> if he wants to be a geophysicist he can't live this life here in this beautiful place but if he wants to live in this beautiful place he can do it by working as a barman you know yeah. so you, yeah. you 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 compromise you can't have everything
1: it's all about compromise. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm definitely yeah. sold on the idea. I'm going to start looking at boats. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds, sounds wonderful. I'm sure it's been a great inspiration to all of our listeners. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Martina. Could you just uh, let our listeners know where they can find you? I know you've got lots of really interesting articles on your website. If you could possibly give them your details?
2: Yes, indeed. So I've got a blog that's called Karina of Devon at wordpress.com and uh, yeah and you'll find links to all my articles and everything there
1: that's great well thanks very much enjoy that beer and uh, yeah definitely let's talk again
2: okay all right graham thanks a lot okay. bye
1: Adios.
0: i hope you got as much out of that talk as i did an excellent introduction to where we are now and where we could be Please check your inbox. We'll be back in touch very shortly for much more inspiration for you to start your journey into homeschooling, child led learning, and liberty. If you know of any families looking for alternatives to school, please give them our information homeschoolingandliberty.com and they are more than welcome to join us on this journey. We'll see you real soon. Cheers. Calling us with this new song Yeah, you gotta listen what it has to say It will guide you along Yeah, you gotta put yourself first every time And she will catch you when you fall Yeah, you gotta love yourself from within Love yourself till you're full, yeah, yeah You gotta take the power back Ask yourself this question, what is so amazing and wonderful at government run schools that you would send your children there to be taught by essentially strangers, a curriculum over which you have no authority or control? How would you like to be a part of your children's learning? You were a part of your children's learning is colors, how she ties her shoes, what is a butterfly, why mommy loves her. Why would you not want to continue to be a part of that? Look at what you've been told for so long that you have to say, well, maybe, maybe they're not right and maybe your instincts are right. Unlearn those things.
2: This is about human rights and endowing children with dignity and agency and autonomy. Um, and, and then guess what? As a side benefit, it works. <laughs>